Hey everyone, it's your girl Nora Tish. On this week's episode of The View Report, I decided to sit down and interview Jesse Daniels, also known as The Billionaire Networker. This interview is very unique because I had the opportunity to sit down and go through Jesse's past from high school all the way to his current life, from playing high school ball, college ball, semi-pro leagues, the Nike Young Global um, situation he went through, to his own business, and now being known as the Billionaire Networker. So to kick off my Black History Month segment, we're going to sit down and talk to Jesse Daniels, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. everyone this is your girl Nora Natish and I have a special guest today y'all we went to high school together but we definitely went to different directions because homie got you got a story for y'all so our amazing guest today is Jesse Daniels he is the billionaire networker okay y'all so you must have to make sure money so Jesse welcome to the viewport how are you today doing great and how are you how are you doing i'm good i'm good so you have a phenomenal story that i'm just so excited that you're on our show thank you so much for reaching out that really really um always a good feeling to not only talk to a former player y'all but somebody that grew up in the same area that i grew up in so as you go to the sports podcast i'm going to definitely ask some sport questions but i'm going to start with just you so you're from Harlem, okay? New York in the house, like me. I'm from the world. So <laughs> let's talk about it. So your story is very interesting. Would you like to share your life in Harlem a little bit? Um, yeah, sure. Um, how can I say? Growing up in Harlem, it was uh, it was it, it was fun, dangerous. You know what I mean? But uh, looking back, it was dangerous. You know what I mean? But to us, it was fun. It was. That, that's how life was. It wasn't until when I moved upstate when I was like, wait, hold on. I don't got bullets up here? Like, you know? Oh. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, it was, it was, I'll say living in Harlem was fire. It was a little, it was super dangerous, like, but it was fire. So I know a lot about Harlem. Actually, my dad was from Harlem, so I thought that was very cool that you were from here. And there was so much that happened to you there because I saw that um, you got a mentor at a young age. Tell us a little about your mentor. Uh, well, his name is uh, uh, Greg Marius. He used to run Rucker Park. And um, he was, a, you know, he was the first person to actually um, kind of introduce me into basketball, to be honest with you. So, like, my dad, he always, he, my dad is was a professional basketball player. I found out at 27. He never told me he played professional football. So I used to always ask him about, um, you know, I wanted a Tayshawn Prince jersey, number 22, uh, just because I like I like defense at the time. I had this mentality of just stopping people. And um, Greg, he gave me a jersey, my very first jersey, number 18, Black Wall Street. And then he ended up giving me my own EBC basketball team that I ran. And um, wow. after I left college, yeah, yeah. So he, he the team was $10,000 and he, he, he gave, he basically, invested a whole team for me. I put together a roster with some my childhood friends and some people that I thought it was good and you know we took on the world. Love that. That's amazing. So you would say that you're that Greg really fueled you to um go on the path of playing ball and continuing even after you left Harlem. No, nah, I mean um I, I like I like the fact that Greg was making a lot of money because you know oh, from okay. <laughs> So he was making he was making five hundred thousand every six months, uh, mm. with sponsorships and things of that nature. So I was, you know, you got a guy pulling up to the projects and uh, in a in a different BMW every week. You want to you want you want to figure out how you, you, know, you get that, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, what fueled me to play basketball was I just I just gravitated towards the sport. To be honest with you, I wanted to oh. be the best. I just wanted to be the best. Like, I just wanted to, to beat everybody. You guys, my mom, if you ever met her, you know what I mean? Like, even as a kid, I just wanted to, my older brothers, even my dad, I just wanted to beat everybody. You know what I mean? And uh, 
when when we moved to the projects um, after they divorced, you know what I mean? We ended up moving back into the projects. Uh, I just saw like all these, you know, beast of of, of chairs and beast of uh, men, and I was just I just had a field day, you know. I just was just like, yo, like look at all these people I could beat, and they was all playing basketball. So I was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is what I'm gonna do it at. Got it. Okay. Wow. 500K every six months, y'all. You hear that? 600. 600. 600. My bad. Sorry? 600. 600K. 600K every six months. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, Greg. Okay, Greg. Mr. Greg. (laughs) So you said that you did mention that you changed environments and you moved upstate. How was that um, that move and then trying to get back into basketball? Since you said you really liked it, you liked being the best at it, now you're going to a different area. How was that? Yeah. It was a cult, it, it was honestly, it was a culture shock. Like, um, I didn't eat, I didn't eat lunch in the cafeteria for two months because I never seen so many white people in my life. Um, I'm from Harlem. So I ain't never, I ain't never seen a white person unless they was a teacher or a cop or an ambulance person. So when I walked in the cafeteria, I just thought, oh, like, you know, this, you know, this ain't, uh, ain't what I'm supposed to be, you know? <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to play ball because, you know, it reminded me of the NBA being at, at, at Arlington High School. They had, it, it was a big gym. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had all these, you know, white students, which I, and mentally, white people to me were fans watching us play. So I was like, I got all these fans. And, um, you know, I was like, damn, I'm going to be LeBron James here. Okay, now. Okay, okay. So you pretty much, once you got up there, you're like, okay, this is a lot. But once you got on that court, it changed. I had to look. Yeah, I had to learn the game there. They wasn't, um, at first, they didn't want to put me on varsity because I was uh, too rough around the edges, as they would say. I was like real street ball type of player, trash talking and the, the the culture was mostly white, so they didn't like that. Um, they 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 realized I needed to be like refined a little bit, you know what I mean. Um, but I got the hang of it after a while. I just waited my turn. That's it. I there you go. By the yeah. way, everybody, Jesse is extre- was extremely tall when I was in high school. He was like he towered over everybody. Well, so I was five five, so that that does say, <laughs> but. How tall are you, Jesse? Just for the fans to understand how tall you are. <laughs> it's crazy because um, last time I checked, I was 6'4", but through the pandemic, I actually grew to 6'5". Yeah. I don't know how, but it has Oh, put over me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you play college, you play high school ball, you went off to college, and then you started working towards the semi-pro um, situation, but then you told you mentioned that you were more like a rougher player, like a street baller. But then also you mentioned pickup baller. What's the difference between a street baller and a pickup baller? For those who don't know. Um I kinda I kinda I kinda um defined I kinda made pickup basketball an actual uh, genre. Like I actually made it like an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm like the godfather, the founder of actual like what pickup basketball is for like normal people in a way. So pickup basketball is basically basketball without the without the tricks, kind of. It's like it's like it's like playing at a high level without doing illegal moves. So street ball is a lot of illegal moves. Pickup basketball is legal moves, you know what I mean? And um mm-hmm aspects of street ball basketball that I didn't like with you know people getting shot things of that nature I took that out and replaced it with business deals so like instead of people getting shot if you're gonna come to my pickup game we're gonna figure out how to make money you know what I mean we're gonna mm. talk about deals before and after we play and even during while we be playing um in order to figure out who you can get the best deal from the only way to know is if you battle them like that's the only way you're gonna get true information out of another man is to see what he's made of in the arena. Look him in the eye, you know what I mean? See what he's about. And then after that, depending on who you felt like you had the best connection with, you know, you move forward with a deal, real estate, whatever you wanna do. Wow, okay. See one thing about you, Jesse, you know how to get that money conversation popping. 
do. You won't believe some. We're going to get to it, though. We're going to get to all the money. I want to hear all about it. (laughs) But you did mention you played semi-pro. How was that? Honestly, um, it was thanks to um, an older woman, to be honest with you. So, like, I came back. So, Marist College didn't work out, right? And I sat down with the general managers and all the top money people in the county about this situation, about me not being on the team. And they just said, it's politics. They said, you're one of the best players, but it's just politics. You know what I mean? So I came back to Harlem and I ran into Greg and, um, and I told Greg like, yo, like I'm back from school. Like what happened? You know what I mean? I thought the best player played. He was like, oh, you found out the truth, huh? And um, sitting next to him was uh, a, a coach from the Brooklyn Nets. His name was Coach D. Um, and um, he was doing this program in Rucker Park with the with the kids, like a Brooklyn youth program. Long story short, I ended up helping him run the whole Brooklyn Nets camp throughout New York City. Um, and he had a semi-pro team in the Rucker Park called Team Tough. Mm-hmm. And um, so during some of the Brooklyn Nets camps, these players would come and I would play the NBA players one-on-one whether it was in Rucker Park or in um, St. Joseph's College. And I would be, I'd be, you know, I say smoking them. But yeah, I was giving them the business, you know what I mean? And um, ESPN called us to Rucker Park for a quick game. Greg was like, yo, get down here. Like, bring Jess with you. And at the time, Coach D, he didn't... I had to take that spot. So, you know... The players they knew me because they seen they because I, I got really I jumped really high so they seen me in warm up line doing some crazy you know some crazy shit and his wife came up to me and was like yo my my um, husband you know he he's a prideful guy you know because you've been doing good all week you know what I mean he wanted me to tell you that he wants you to play and he wants you to start on the team today in front of ESPN I was like shit all right you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's do it. And that's how I ended up on the team. I played up for years, man. That was dope. And um, met the next general manager, all, all that after that. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But the Bucks gave me an opportunity. I, I, I'm a respect the Bucks. So. Well, on this show, we respect Giannis. We are fans of Giannis on the show. So it's cool, cool dude. Mm-hmm. Funny dude. Yeah, I respect Giannis. So hearing that. Points to you right there. <laughs> if you pull up, if I get that number back again too, I got like eight, 18 cell phones. I'll get you a um an invitation to the game easily. Like that's my that's my they flew me out there and everything. You know what I mean? Like I hosted them at, at lifetime, so that's fine. Oh, I'm about right. to get to lifetime, but since Jesse's offering her to go to a game, she will go. She ain't yeah, gonna yeah. turn down basketball game. <laughs> you try to holler at one of the players, that's on Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't do that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a billionaire now. I'm working on being a billionaire. So if you want to, you still messing with players. That's on you. you uh, know, hey, you know, I thought about that. Hey, 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 I'm my show. I'm messing with you. So since you brought Lifetime Sky, please tell us a little bit about when you were coaching and training there. Because I did read that, you know, met Carmelo Anthony, and that's one of my favorite players. So I definitely want to hear more about this Lifetime um, Sky. Yeah, like um, crazy story, crazy story. So the, the the day I gave up on ball was the day I got the call. So I'm laying down right across from my grandma on the couch. I'm like, yo, grandma, it's over. <laughs> she like, oh, you tried, you know what I mean? It's all good, you know what I'm saying? You hungry? Right. So anyway, so I get a call from Lifetime. Are you Jesse? Mind you. Um, only had like like only had like ten percent battery left. He's like, yeah, he said lifetime mascot. We want you to come down here, talk to you about a position. Like, all right, cool, you know. So then I go down there, and he goes like, yo, look, we like your resume. Can you bring this to here to this gym? And I'm like, don't you got Chris Brickley here? You know what I'm saying? He doing his thing with the NBA. He was like, you know, that's his thing, not ours. And we want you to come in here and, and rival that. I'm sitting there like, hold on, you want me to rival LeBron James and them coming in here? He said, we can get you LeBron James. We should get you Carmelo Anthony. Who do you want? I'm sitting there like, 
you know me, I told you how I was growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. I wanted all of it. I wanted mm-hmm. all of it. You know what I mean? And um, he was like, the only thing you gotta do is, you know, step down from Equinox and, and work for here, you know, full time. So long story short, um, during my time at Lifetime, the general manager ended up getting fired in the entire staff. And mm-hmm. I was the only person left with the only uh, strongest title, the strongest title there to run the whole gym. So Carmelo, Anthony, LeBron, James, Travis Scott, Boyd Mayweather, everybody had to come with me in order to get, to, in order to have a, a good time and a great experience at that gym. They had to check in with Jesse Daniels, period. Right, you know, so I ended up, um, you know, it was, it was an awkward situation because nobody knew who I was, you know what I mean? Like in a way, they knew, they knew, they heard of me, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an interesting guy, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really on social media, but I'm on social media and that really tripped, tripped people out because they never seen a personality like me. Like I move, like the way I'm moving, I'm moving like I own the world, you know what I mean? But I'm not on social media, so they like, he's not like extroverted alpha male and he's not introverted, so. And he's not coming here asking us for autographs and he's not asking for money. So like the celebrities and everybody like, so mm-hmm. they like, this is like, they couldn't really put their finger on like what, like who or what I am. And that was my greatest, um, you know, weapon in a way, you know? And then one day, um, you know, I was training. So it would be crazy. It would be, it would be Carmelo, J.R. Smith, Tim Hardaway, and they'll be training on one end of the floor. And then on the other end of the basket, it'll just be Jesse Daniels. You know what I'm saying? There's no shot. Like, technically, there's no shot in the world that I'll get in the NBA, technically. But yet, I'm on the other side of the court working just as hard as these guys. And then, it, you know, they started respecting me. They started respecting it. Like, J.R. Smith, Tim Hardaway and them was like, yo, like, you trying to jump in this drill? Like, you, you, you us. Um, and then one day... Um, the biggest game of the year, like the coordinators, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me in. Um, like the whole year, they didn't let me play in the runs. Whole year, right? But I was making business deals. I had signed the, I had signed the Brooklyn Nets to the gym and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was making business moves. You know, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to rack that, that resume. I was taking full advantage. And um, one day, Kevin Durant was coming, and uh, it was gonna be a superstar game. And I got the text message like, yo, Jesse, you, just, you know, you know, I told you, everybody got to kind of check in with me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, KD, such and such, man, is going to be here. And I didn't really care because I was playing, I had just played against Floyd Mayweather the other day. You know what I mean? I'm playing against billionaires. You know what I mean? Like, I'm meeting, this This gym is connected to a building full of millionaires and billionaires. And all these people was uh, having meetings with me and talking with me. So, like, my energy was like, bigger than basketball like I can't explain it it was bigger than basketball it was almost like I started seeing the players as yo like y'all just players you know what I'm saying like you know so I'm chilling upstairs and um, one of my business partners like yo Jesse you gotta get downstairs KD here I'm like alright you know see you see, you see how arrogant I was at the time <laughs> I was like you know what I mean so I'm upstairs enjoying like four or five plates of the most lavish meals I've ever eaten. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, they like getting downstairs. I'm like, ah. So I get downstairs and KD here warming up. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, and um, they about to start, and they taking too long, right? And um, hold on, hold on. I told you I'm in the jack, so you are gonna hear some some whistling and people wilding. So anyway. <laughs> If they start shooting through the door, just yo, just help me. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we will stop everything and we get your help. <laughs> I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't even know. Anyway, so boom. Um, they need it. You know what I mean? They they um was like they came up to me. You know Tim Hardaway and uh Ennis Canada and they came up to me. It was like, yo, it's your turn. You up? I'm like, uh, for what? It's your turn to play. I'm like, this is the biggest game of the summer. You want me to, one of the biggest games you're talking about. You want me to play? Yeah, we need a point guard. Mind you, in high school, they didn't want me to play point guard. I played like power four. Not that I wasn't good enough. It just was so mind-blowing that 
I was trying to tell people I was a point guard my whole life, and now these NBA players is like, yo, we need you to run point in the All-Star game against Kevin Durant, two-time NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. So I tied up my laces, got out there, and then now the, my, the people that, I'm not going to say, so Chris and them, our relationship is what it is. And they didn't, they didn't know, mind you, I'm also type competition as well because I'm working with the facility and they got their own thing going on. So they like, this could be real good for him or real bad for him. Like if I fail, if I crumble in this moment, the legacy and the projection of Jesse Daniels, it falls right here. This is the biggest pressure of the game. You get what I'm saying? Because my name at the time was super high in the gym. I was winning every single pickup game. You know what I'm saying? I was bringing in the most money. I was signing NBA people to the gym. You know, I was I was, I was, was the life of the club, you know what I mean, in a way. And I was doing it all low-key, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, whether they did it to destroy me or create me, it don't matter. It happened, you know? So, I'm on the floor, and I get the ball, and I think uh, Aaron Gordon, he was on my team. He asked for the ball. I looked at him. I was like, nah, bro. I'm from Harlem. Go down. He went, go down, bro. Go down the court, bro. I'm bringing it up. You know what I'm saying? Everybody looking at me, and I'm coming down bowling. They like, oh, you know. What I mean? <laughs> like, so, and that's when you know the, you know, what I mean, you start joining the crowd. People, people literally left their job posts. It was, it was great. It was a great experience. The LeBron experience was probably one of my most favorite experience. We came. Um, the simple fact that I was able to absorb that energy that he brought, uh, you know, and you know, what I mean, like he basically, he basically, I felt like I was the only person in the gym that didn't fit him. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't fit him because of my experience with Floyd Mayweather. Um, me and Floyd Mayweather almost got into a little tussle, a little fight oh. over situation where you know he tried to call game when it wasn't game I wasn't trying to I wasn't having that you know what I mean because it was you know it was my gems you know what I'm saying like but I had some great friends of mine that backed me up and kind of co-signed me say hey look yo like you and Jesse like figure this out you know and um so going into the LeBron game I just felt like I touched so much money not like in terms of like yeah, I, I, yeah, even personally, I didn't touch so much money. I didn't shook so many hands. I didn't beat so many top tier people, behind the scenes people. I didn't, I didn't got the respect that when LeBron came, it was almost like it didn't really matter to me. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like, okay, you know, I beat you. There's nothing left anybody can, any, can say. You know what I mean? Like it, that's it. Like it's nothing that anybody can say. I beat Kevin Durant three times, you know, in that pickup game. We beat his team three times, and he was a champion. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, that, that was that was. Keep going. Let me get another question. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's, you have so much that went on just at a, during this experience at Lifetime. That's like amazing. I I wish. No, I've only met everybody socially, never that like work. So, <laughs> so just seeing, hearing all that's amazing. And you also mentioned to me that you were in the boogie film. Mm. That was what's up. What were you doing in there, Jesse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and pops, um, me and pop smoke and his his bro Mike. Um, I got the call to help film the boogie film with pop. Um, uh, through one of my agents, Susan. And, uh, you know, Pop, man, he was, you know what I mean? He was, mind you, at the time, I'm dealing with all the megastars and everybody and all mm-hmm. types of stuff. Ski Mask is a good friend of mine, too. DJ Ski, um, all these people. Those, those are my guys. Travis Scott, you know what I'm saying? Those are my guys. So, like. He was Travis Scott uh, fan. Huge. Yeah, he's, he's, he's cool. He's cool. Um, me and him, me and him, I can't wait till I get my, my new um, company, you know, OD popping because like he he really me and him are really really tight me and him damn anyway so <laughs> nah you can pull up it's not even that serious like I don't know how I don't know how this is gonna be with you. 
I'm dope. You know, I'm a vibe. Yeah, Everybody's gonna tell you I'm a vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you know what I mean. You're pretty cool. Like you know what I'm saying. I don't know what all this COVID stuff going to be like, but if, like if I can create what I can create, then I can get you money for sure. Um, Y'all hear that? You heard it. Gotta, I just gotta support though, like no funny, like no funny shit. Y'all gotta support me, like, um, and I'll support you back. That's the only way it's gonna work. Like it's the only way it's gonna, work, you know. But um, who, what was the question? About the boogie film. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Pop so pop smoke yeah. them. Yeah, rappers. Rest yeah. Pop smoke. So, yeah. So I'm in a boogie film, but I could have had a bigger role. Because the first was supposed to be me and Davies. Me and Davies was supposed to be the stars. Like I got, I can show you, I can show you receipts. So the original Boogie film was me and Davies, and um, I think Davies ended up getting into um, an altercation with the in a misunderstanding with the law. So they had to, um, you know, sub him out, and then they replaced him with Pop Smoke and Mike. Mike, I was supposed to be. It's supposed to be me and Pop as the stars. But Pop's bro is Mike, Mike D. So they gave Mike D my role, kind of. I knew Mike from a previous commercial, so I had no problem with it. And also had my own movie coming out. So I saw it as an opportunity for two young Brooklyn dudes to come up. You know what I'm saying? So I, I stepped back and let them two, you know, handle it. But I was I was off and on in that film. I'm going to be honest with you. I was off and on in that film because I didn't see it. Because... At that at that at that point in my career, I was dealing with um, bankers. You know what I'm saying? Worth two like billionaire bankers. I was dealing with Floyd Mayweather opening his gym. So um, it wasn't until um, one of my friends at the time convinced me. He was like, "Yo, like being in the movie is a good, you know, just go on set and learn, so that when you have your movie, you can go." And it was the greatest thing I ever did because I met Will Smith's mentor who's currently coaching me for my film. So, coaching me to produce and my film. So, I'm glad I went. Rest in peace to Pop, man. That shit was crazy. Yeah. Definitely rest in peace to Pop Smoke. Okay, right here, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Jesse more about the business side of him. He has his own things coming out. So, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're still here with my boy Jesse Daniels, and we got you more to talk about. Man, Jesse Daniels. My fault. The man's Jesse Daniels. <laughs> and we got more to talk about because he has a whole nother side to him. We got to go to the basketball side a little bit and his upbringing. Now we get to the business side, Jesse. And I just got to ask him. How did you come up with the billionaire networker as your name? Yeah, so the billionaire networker was um a name that fits uh some of the things that I was able to accomplish over at Lifetime at Sky. So um the other day I sat down, like uh going into we're gonna be talking about the Dermacare situation. So I put together a project this summer with Dermacare, um and I attracted over twenty-two 22 trillion in network of interest and people willing to attend my events and do business with me and my network and whoever's gonna be there. So um, I looked at my experiences in the last five years and one summer I met and competed against about three billionaires. I would say LeBron, Floyd Mayweather, and some other people I can't mention on this podcast. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. So, you know, my life has been, you know, connecting with wealthy people. These are these are my network. These are my friends. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the billionaire networker is just a reflection of what I've done already. Got it. Because like we, that's your name. So I want to know more about it. Because I'm gonna call you by a name. I know what it means. So, <laughs> since you men- mentioned Derma Care, and you used to work with them. Tell us about how you work with them. What, what was that about? What was your position? Because you got to give us the nitty gritty. Give us, what, what, what were you? Say the name for us all over here. Uh, CEO. Okay, now. CEO, y'all. Yeah. CEO. 
Yeah, so I was um, owner. I was owner and founder. I was owner, founder, and CEO over at Dermacare Safety Bioscience. Uh, basically, I was a sports and entertainment CEO of Bioscience. And Dermacare, they had a lot, they have a lot of, to offer in terms of, you know, healthcare, such as COVID rapid test, child safety hand sanitizer, things of that nature. Um, this is almost like an experiment. This is an experiment because once again, because of my personality similar to similar to at Lifetime, they couldn't they they realized, okay, he has leadership qualities. He has leadership qualities to be a CEO. But he but he but since we're CEO and since we're vice president, we can't we can't really give him that position within the main company, right? But he's not weak enough, meaning he's not sur- like subservient. Like I'm not a servant enough to be anything below that. So they was like, we can't put him at the bottom of the pyramid, and we can't put him at the top of the pyramid. But we need him. So what they did was they carved out and they invested into a whole new company, branched off of their company specifically for me. And um, the child safety hand sanitizer was kind of like. You know, I, I was trying to tell him, like, yo, look, just give me everything. You know, give me your, your rapid test, you know, give me, you know, everything. But they only gave me the child say him, say, safety hand sanitizer just trying to see who would bite, like, in my network for that. And um, it was till it was to their demise in a way because, once again, I attracted four wealth management companies. NBA clientele, NFL clientele, artists, real estate, all to my program. So the, the the money that they invested, I'm not gonna say how much, but it was it was a, it was a good sum. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough to cover what I had created, mm. and I realized, and I you know I I even received the offer, you know I'm not going to too much detail. No, but not yeah, yeah, but so it wasn't enough to, you know, it wasn't enough, you know, based off of what I created. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I decided to walk away from the company and, um, you know, create my own sports entertainment, high value experience. It was great because I had about what ten percent. I had I had a good, you know, about ten percent ownership of that company. And if it sold for a hundred million, you know, I would have got about ten mil plus residuals but I was like you know the, you know the best way to be a millionaire is um, you know my overall goal is a billionaire it's seven streams of income you know what I mean and the best way to do that is to you know put myself in a position where I can monetize my if I got the relationships and everybody's coming to me then I might as well just create my own situation with my team and, and, and roll the dice on myself instead of on these products you know what I mean so I ended up leaving there, but it was a good experience overall. I ain't gonna lie, I got a lot of love being a CEO. You know what I mean? When I came back to Lifetime, I wasn't Jesse Dames the coordinator anymore. I was Jesse Dames the, the CEO, you know, with, with with money behind him, money and power, you know, money, power, lawyers, you know? And I and I was myself. I had my hair, as you can see. You know what I mean? I had my hat, everything custom. You know what I mean? Clothes different, sneakers different, swag different. And, um, you know, I was going in there and I was looking some of the, even the, the toughest alpha males in the, in the eyes and telling them to move over and they had to, you know what I'm saying? So having a, it was a little, it was, it was really complex though. Every day it was something, I kid you not. Every day it was something, you know, which I enjoyed, you know what I mean? It was a problem every day, um, but I gave solutions every day, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, that was, it, was, it was a great experience. I, I'm, you know, it was a great experience. It's a lot of sharks in the water though, but you gotta be careful with this, you know. But it's it was, it was a tremendous experience because people never really see a black CEO. I think I'm I'm in my early 30s. I looked up the statistics and CEOs are like 56 years old. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. honestly, the the look in some people's eyes when me coming through, six foot four CEO, Harlem swag, not compromising who I am. You know what I mean? Like strictly for my people. I'm strictly for all people, but you could tell that I'm from the culture, you know what I'm saying? 
and that really you know what i mean it really either inspired people or or it rubbed some people the wrong way but you know at the end of the day like you know if it's not about money it don't make sense so that's how i look at it all right all right awesome absolutely i'm just sitting here listening just i'm just like taking it all in y'all i'm taking it in like y'all taking it in i have to ask you you gotta tell us about the global nike basketball campaign you have to it's crazy yeah wow wow so how did uh, that happen I, yeah <laughs> jesus this is the irony of life right here so I was battling in Rucker Park. I told you, like, I was on Team Top. I was battling, you know what I mean? I was, I was, you know, I was going at people next in Rucker Park. And I think that summer, one of my friends got my shot and killed, you know what I'm saying? And, um... Sorry, I hear that. I was just, once again, it's, it's, it's just, the, it's just the, how the hood is, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you grew up there, you would know, like, it's how it is. So... I was just like, yo, fuck this. Like, I'm about to just gonna play basketball downtown. Like, you know, I, at that point in time, I'm just like, yo, we all gonna die here. You know what I mean? No matter if you're a basketball player, no matter if you're a gangster, like, bullets ain't got no name on it. So I was like, I'm just gonna play ball downtown. Learning from my experiences at Marriott's, I'm like, yo, I'm about to go just go somewhere nice and, and never be known in the NBA, but being known at this little park here. You know what I'm saying? I'll be, I'm a, I told myself, I'm gonna go to this little park downtown called Chamber Street. And I'm gonna be there, LeBron James. And I'm a, and I'm a. I was so petty. I was like, I'm gonna show everybody that come in here why they can't make it to the NBA too. You know what I'm saying? So one day, dude walked in the park. I was a wolf in that park. I'm talking about wolf. I'm talking about head crazy, waiting for people to come through the park every day, smoke everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting in the park. Dude come in, black dude, smiling. Happiest can be. I'm looking at him like, mind you, all I knew was kind of either Maris, which is extreme, which is nice, or upstate, or the hood. So mm-hmm. I've never seen an in-between. So this dude was the first time I seen a black person that's living in between. So he came in, he had a smile on his face, and he was just enjoying life. And I was looking at him and I'm like, I'm not a hater. But I'm looking at him and I'm like, yo, you your happiness is making me happy, bro. Like, what are you happy about? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he go, I got a Nike commercial in. So I go, oh, shit, that's what's up. He said, I said, where's it at? He says, here. I go, all right, all right, cool, whatever. So I sit down, right? And I'm like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch because I'm going to see why they choosing him over me. You know what I mean? I have a very hypergamous mindset where I want to know why this, why, why this man is better than why y'all think this man better than me and I can't wait to show people why he not you know what I'm saying so the guy comes in the park white dude wearing all these fake chains and all that like yo 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 I'm like yo this dude is a joke you know what I mean but mm-hmm. he was wearing a make a I thought it said make America great again hat right so I'm not racist at all mind you I'm Jesse you know, you know so then I go don't up to have, him. We don't condone racism on this show. Yeah, so anyway, so I go up to him, right? And I go um, to his hat. We look closely, and it was like, make rap great again or something like that. And I was like, oh, I was just, he was seeing your hat. He was like, yo, you ball? I was like, yeah, like, um, he said, yo, I'm shooting this commercial, you know, um, for my bro head. You got, you got next, you want to play next you know what I mean like do you want to try next and um I was watching him his 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 friend he just couldn't jump he couldn't lay the ball up he couldn't do anything and at the time I didn't know it but I had a chest fracture from all of the battles that I had inside that court and I was like uh, the guy was like yo I'm gonna pay you $20 to try out for Nike so then um the dude, he was done, and then I tried. Then I did my thing, you know, spin move, layups, couple dunks here and there. And the dude, here, yo, here's the part. Here's the part that got me to this point today. It was this moment right here. He left the court after filming me, and my friend walked up to me who was with me at the time. And he said, "Yo, go chase him down because he didn't give you your twenty dollars." 
And I said, I looked at my friend and I said, you're not my friend anymore. But I looked at my friend and I said, if he could do what he want, what he said he could do with that film and get me on Nike, he can keep it. He can keep it. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I was in the, I was in the, um, uh, you know, we gotta keep it PG, right? I was in an effed up situation at the time. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have no money, no nothing. You know what I mean? I was, you know, in the jacks. I was still battling to get to the top. I ain't have nothing. So that twenty dollars would have took me a long way that day. That's a fact. Maybe mm-hmm. that week. But I was like, you know, I touched my stomach too, and I was like, you know what? You can keep it. You know what I'm saying? If he do, he can say. And then one day, I got the call. You know, I, mind you, I have videos online too, because the dude was like, "Yo, Nike feeling you." Dude texting me like, "Yo, Nike feeling you." And I'm not believing it. You know what I'm saying? I just came from trenches. You know what I mean? My, my, one of my fans just got, you know, somebody from my neighborhood just got, you know, clipped. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting a text message talking about some Nike feeling you from a guy wearing America's, you know, make America rap great again hat. Unbelievable. So I, he said, yo, what's your email and your shoe size and this and that. I sent him to school. I get an email and it had all these weird numbers in it. Like emails that in it. I sent them my email, the email came back, had all these weird numbers in it. Like from UK and uh Germany. And I'm like, yo, is this a spam mail? And then the lady was like, Are you Jesse Daniels? Um from the US. And I'm like, yeah, she said, come downtown to Milk Studios. We wanna film you and fit you for the Nike role. I get down there and it was real. It was real. It was a, it was a, you know, it was supermodels from from all over the world, twenty million followers, ten million followers, one million followers, and the crazy part is they was all cool and you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. you know. So that, that was the dope part about that. And um, I got I got a, it was an interesting experience with, with Nike because I once again I was the only outcast in the situation. Everybody I was on set had an agent they went to d1 basketball they played four-year college mm-hmm. modeling career i'm fresh off the street literally no agent no nothing don't know nobody don't have no modeling experience i'm not moving like a model i'm nothing so the guys on set started making fun of me and stuff like that because they was like, oh, like, yo, he's not a pretty boy and all this other stuff. And you know what I mean? He's from, you know, mind you, these dudes are from the Jacks too, some of them. But they just, they come into the set wild fly, you know what I mean? So yeah. they come into the set super fly and all this stuff. And, and I'm coming as me, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm coming in, you know, regular, you know, regular sweatsuit, just Jesse, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, I, went, I walked up to one of the directors and I'm like, yo, like, mind you, I'm killing it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great in the um, in the scenes. I'm going hard like I'm supposed to. You know what I mean? Every move was my best move. I was living as if, like, I was living as if, as if, like, I wasn't going to live the next day. That's how I was playing and that's how I was treating it and that's how I really felt because of my experience. Every time I went home after the Nike set, it was late night and my, my hood was at war. So like, even though I wasn't in it, once again, bullets don't got no name on it. So I had to literally sneak into my building every night. You ever seen Hardball? Yeah. In the end, he went through the back and he got, and they was like, we can't go through the front. That was me. I couldn't go through the front. Mm-hmm. And I had to make sure when I was going through the back, I didn't end up like G-Bay facts every day, like on the Nike set. So I would come to on set and... They would just be like, yo, like, mind you, everybody else loved me. The soccer people loved me. The women loved me. Everybody loved me. But it was my own basketball fan that was on some, you know, that was different. That was diff- different about it. So I walked up to the, the, the director and I was like, I walked up to the director and I was like, yo, like, why'd you choose me? You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, like, why'd you choose me? And um, he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw your video. You know, the Humble But Hungry Jesse Daniels video? He said, I saw you coming. He said, we, we want to sign you right here because we saw you coming. Because at the time, I started building my own brand and socks. I started really branding myself. Mm-hmm. I started really hard. And apparently, Nike, Nike watches guys like me. 
who are who are very market market marketing savvy stuff like that. So he said that they was watching me. He said we saw you coming, and we was like, yo, we need to sign him now by any means. So that's why they signed me. And then um, I was helping a young lady train because I didn't want to hang out with the basketball crew. And it was a random guy appeared on the bench. You know what I mean? And these are like the spiritual stories that I don't like to talk about. It was a random guy. He appeared on the bench. And he was like, you know, this is this is yours. This is your moment. Like he was just talking to me like I'm looking at him like what? He said, Yeah, like, you know, basically like I put this here for you. I'm looking at him. I look and he was gone right so then I was like that's yo when I said a jolt of electricity came through me for the next scene in Nike I shut down the Nike scene that was I'm talking about the pain in my chest went away all that go into this I go into the um, the, the, the final scene and I woke up to the director and with the utmost confidence I was like yo this is my, this is, this is, this is my, this is my scene right here. This is me. This is me. Like, fuck all these guys. I don't care if they went D1. I don't care if they went anything. I don't care if they went going to the NBA. Like, this is my, this, 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 this right here. This is my moment. This is my NBA. He cleared it out for me and we did this amazing scene. And I, when I, I shut down the entire Nike set, when I, I dunked it behind my head so hard that it shook the court so hard that it shook the court that the cement even moved a little bit and I looked in a random guy I see he appeared in the crowd again and he disappeared again real crazy and then um they said that's it it's a wrap you shut it down we got what we need pay him pay him pay him extra and then that was it and I, next you know next next few months I was on Nike posters around the world on billboards all types of stuff that is absolutely an amazing story my goodness. God, I can listen to Jesse talk all day. But I got to ask him only one more question. We only got time for one more. Jesse, with everything you got going on and only being in your early 30s, like 30 or 31, it's just like, what would you tell all the youth that are listening to this show right now about following their dreams? What should they do? Oof, uh, the, uh, tell the youth to be honest with you, I just tell them um, just realize everybody's situation is different. Just realize that. You know what I mean? Just realize like your situation is different. You know what I mean? Everybody's situation is different. Everybody kind of go through the same things baseline wise, but everybody's situation is different. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, I was destined, I've always wanted to play in the NBA and play for the Detroit Pistons. You know what I mean? Mm. That was that was what I've always thought that I was gonna do. You know what I mean? But I got something better. Like I'm the billionaire network. You know what I mean? I got I got movies. I got all this great stuff on it. I blazed a whole new path of pickup basketball. I literally went from pickup basketball to the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks trial. You know, I got scouted from Lifetime at Sky. That's incredible. Yeah. So, I would say to them, you know, if you want to go black youth in particular, I'm going to be honest That's with you. you. All right, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. There is no, there is really no advice like I can really give you. Like I said, everybody else, everybody's situation is different. But the way the way to be successful is to finally realize to stop taking people's advice. Really, too much. Take it, take it, take their advice. But as soon as I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and I said, "I'm gonna figure this out," because everybody's situation is different. You see how that makes sense? You have to look at your situation and you have to figure it out yourself. You have to figure it out. Only you know the players in the game like only you know like if I'm a coach and I got five players uh, ten players on my team 
only I know what each one of those players can do and how each one of those players can benefit each other. So every kid treat life almost like a video game where you have to sit down and figure out how you can take the pieces that you have in your life and go from point A to point B with as least losses as you can take. Period. Like if you, I live by a quote, if you can make a couple quotes, but if you can make 10,000 good decisions, you want to live a great life. Make 10,000 good decisions. 10,000 good decisions and you'll be all right. All right, everybody. You heard it here first. Jesse Daniels, the billionaire networker, said make 10,000 good decisions and you'll have a good life. Jesse, the Super Bowl is two weeks away. Who you got in there? I haven't even watched it. Nope. You got to pick something. <laughs> who's, in the, who's in the Super Bowl right now? Because I can tell you, if my guy Gronk's in there, then I'm going with him. We have the, our conference championship game will be this weekend, but this episode will be airing after that. So we have the Bengals versus the Chiefs and the 49ers versus the Rams. Who's going to Super Bowl? And well, who's going to win? I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm going to say, um, I, heard the, I heard Odell is going off, right? Yeah, she's been playing well, yes. Yeah, that's one of my guys. So, like, yeah, I'm going to go in. Are you going Rams? And what about the AFC? Chiefs or Bengals? Chiefs. I'm going to go... Uh, Who's on the Chiefs? Who's cool? Who's cool that's on the Chiefs in the Bengals? Oh, oh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. We're gonna keep going. I don't know. The Chiefs are technically the better team, but the Bengals have Jamar Chase. I'm an LSU fan, so oh, you a football? Joe Burrow. So yes, diehard LSU fan. So I'm. I pick Chiefs. Um, right now I have Chiefs, Rams, and Super Bowl, and I have the. Chiefs being the Rams. So I want to know who you have at this moment. So you said you have Rams. Are you going with Chiefs? Or are you going with the Bengals? I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with Chiefs. Chiefs and who do you have winning? Just guess. Okay, it's all just guess again. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm go with the Rams. All right. Jesse picked the Rams, guys. So when after you hear this episode, you're gonna be like either gonna be like, mm, he don't know what he's talking about, or he know exactly what he's talking about. And thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on my show this week. I can't wait to see all the great things you're going to continue to do. Also, you guys, make sure you keep up with Jesse. Jesse, please share, share your social media with, with the um, audience. Uh, Jesse underscore at Sky. Um, just Google me. You know what I mean? The Jesse Daniel story. Find some articles. And um, yeah, just look out. Just look out for those two right there. All right, guys. You heard it. You heard it here. All right, as always, continue to take care of you guys selves throughout this pandemic. Again, we are a part of hashtag wear a mask, which goes from nose to chin, not nose to lip or lip to chin. So continue to wear your mask and be safe during this pandemic. Until next time, take care. Bye.